Hello, hello, hello. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Really, really excited for this episode. There's something that probably has taken me probably about a couple of weeks to kind of formulate in my head and kind of get clear and find the information and gather. And I think sometimes I can press record. Sometimes I can just go with whatever's going or else I need to research this properly. And this was kind of after a conversation with a couple of clients recently and after a conversation with Menno, whose episode was out on Monday, so I'd highly recommend to listen to that, it kind of came back to how limiting beliefs and identity can impact on your weight, fat loss journey, desire to do anything really. And there's an amazing quote by Henry Ford. And what it says is, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. So that quote again is whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And I believe that quote to be pretty much bang on for what it needs to be. It's pretty much nailed on. It's pretty much on the money. And self-belief is essential for success. But way too often we set out to achieve something without believing that we can do it. And as a result, we may end up procrastinating or not even starting. Or sometimes we go through the motions of working towards it without feeling convinced that we'll succeed. And I was having a conversation with a client recently and they were talking about procrastination. And we kind of dug into why they may be procrastinating or why they may be losing that kind of oomph or drive to kind of get going again. And I kind of just rephrased the question to them and kind of said, well, are you motivated to go to work every day? Like this person's been doing really, really well over the last little while and they've been, they got a stomach bug. And what I asked them was, well, you're going to work today, correct? So you're not relying on motivation or you're not procrastinating or even starting about going to work. So why are you going to work? They like to get paid. And then they were like, I know what you're getting at now. So they were looking at, it's important to have that element of a why to do something that day that's going to help you. That could literally be going to bed early. That could literally be having two pints of water. That could be literally having protein with most meals. But as a lot of people will go through the motions of working towards it, they'll end up, feel, they'll end up not convinced that they'll end up succeeding. And not believing in ourselves, having limiting beliefs, will determine that we'll, what we'll achieve in our lives. And, and ultimately, we all have limiting beliefs. We all have limiting beliefs. We all have imposter syndrome. If we don't have imposter syndrome, it's not a big enough goal. So what are limiting beliefs? Limiting beliefs are false thoughts or opinions that you believe to be the truth. So you have the little inner voice in your head and those limiting beliefs have negative impact on your life because they put boundaries and limitations to what we believe is actually possible. And they can stop you from achieving your goals by preventing you from actually starting to do something. Or by causing you to self-sabotage your efforts. Because you don't believe you'll succeed anyway. So if you tell yourself that I'm busy. Or you tell yourself I'm never going to achieve this. Or you potentially identify as a yo-yo dieter. Or you identify as an emotional leader. They're all limiting beliefs. You're not an emotional leader. You eat emotionally. But they're two very different things. You're not a yo-yo dieter. You may have struggled to keep weight off in the past. But they're two very different things. One's an identity and one's a belief. So where do they actually come from? The beliefs that you have can come from the family system that we grow up in, 
for example, if you grow up with parents who believed it was too late to change careers after your 30s or your 40s, you're likely to believe the same thing. And they can also come from different things that can happen during your life. For example, if you had a partner who cheated on you, you may also have you may also believe the relationships aren't worth it because you'll just get hurt. And if you potentially are someone who has struggled with diets and stuff in the past or joined clubs and think that's the only way to do things or you believe dieting means suffering, well, I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. You're not the issue. The system is probably the issue at play. Your belief system is there to protect you as a way of protecting you from potentially failing, but you're not failing. It's your system that's failing. So how do these identity and these beliefs actually shape your identity? So your identity is actually shaped by what you believe to be about, to, like it, what you believe about yourself, to be true about yourself. This can be a positive or a negative. This can drive or paralyze. For example, if you were told you painted a great picture, you may believe that you're a good painter and therefore develop an identity as an artist. And on the other hand, if you were told you didn't read very well, you're likely to believe that you're not good at reading and then develop an identity of someone who is not a reader. Now, I can relate to the last one. I was told in school that I wasn't very clever by a teacher, a numerous, numerous times by one teacher in particular, to the point it went to the head of the year, to the point it went to the principal, and they were advised to go, they advised my parents to go and get me tested for ADHD. Now, you can imagine when you're 13 or 14 years of age that you can believe that there's something wrong with you and you can latch on to that. That becomes your identity and you latch on to that so you act like that thing. I didn't have ADHD. I was told Shane knows what's going on. He just has no interest in what you're teaching him. He's very capable of learning. He just doesn't want to learn the stuff you're teaching in front of him. He has no interest. You're not, you're not keeping his interest. Which wasn't a fault of the teacher or the curriculum. It was just I didn't have any interest in being there. Because I didn't know where I wanted to go with what I wanted to do. But I latched onto that identity of I'm different. I must have ADHD. So let's act the bollocks. Let's not try in school. Let's try to fit in, even though you didn't really want to fit in in the first place. So the more you repeat that behavior, the more you reinforce that identity because you create evidence that supports these beliefs. So if you identify as an, I'm an emotional leader, every time you emotionally eat, you're fueling that story. You're fueling that belief. And that's what a belief is. It's a story. But you've created that evidence to back it up now. So you will latch onto that even further and won't let that go. So ultimately, by not reading, like the story I spoke about earlier, you have evidence that you're not a reader. It's like when someone says, I'm not good at technology. You're not good at technology because you haven't practiced it or haven't put any effort in or haven't put enough time into it. And therefore, you reinforce your identity as someone who doesn't read or is poor at computers or poor at technology. You just haven't put enough hours into it. You haven't tried to put hours into it. You just accept that story rather than actually doing something. And while on the other hand, the person who believes they are good at painting continues to paint and reinforces their identity as an artist. It's exactly like someone who comes to me and says, I'm an emotional leader. I was like, no, no, you're not an emotional leader. You may eat emotionally. And we all eat emotionally as humans. Birthdays, Christmas, Easter, Halloween, all these various different times. 
But if we identify as an emotional eater and we emotionally eat a few times, that latches onto things, we latch onto it and that becomes a self-professing story. But then there's an element of something that people may not like what's going to happen next, which is shame. Shame fits in. Sometimes events that happen to us cause us to feel real shame. Especially if there were negative events that happened to us when we were young and unable to process things poorly. We latch onto these stories. And according to the amazing uh, Brené Brown, shame is the intensely painful or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. I am bad. I am a mess. The focus is on self. It's not focused on behavior with the result that we feel alone. Shame is never known to lead us towards positive change. Now shame makes us, f- mo- makes us focus inward and view ourselves in a negative way. And this causes us to believe that there is something wrong with us and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. This belief that we are so flawed can cause us to develop feelings of low worth, of low self-worth. And then shame can be also fleeting or it can be toxic. Toxic shame is a shame that persists and contaminates how you actually see yourself and causes you to have a negative view of who you are. And this can have a lasting impact and affect many, many areas of your life, including your weight, psychology your love life all these different things so it's important if this is resonating with you that there are mental health support charities and mental health support out there don't wait until it gets worse if you if this is resonating with you and you feel that you need to talk to someone please talk to someone so how does shame identity and limiting beliefs affect your weight so to explain how shame weight identity and limiting beliefs can affect your weight I'm going to share a particular case study and this is a very very real story of one of my clients and I've changed the name of the client to Janet to and I've asked my client whose story this is to for this reason and I've asked her because it's so personal it's a story of how a traumatic event caused her to feel shame and how that shame shapes her identity and caused her to form limiting beliefs, which in turn impacted her weight. So many believe, many, many people, unfortunately believe that shame is only related to accidents, serious illness, acts of violence, verbal or sexual abuse, or natural disasters. But trauma can occur as a response to, to any event that is physically, emotionally, or psychologically distressing or harmful. And Jan experienced trauma when she was very young. And it's only recent that she's been able to see that it's, that this event was a form of trauma. Because it shaped her life from the moment it occurred. The effects of the event have stayed with her since. And still has a cry, I think, and when she sometimes thinks about it. And she's not looking for sympathy when she's talking about this. But to let other people know who may have experienced something similar. That they are not alone in their feelings. And that they don't need to carry the shame that often comes with a traumatic event. Jan has carried shame and held on to it for 46 years. And this shame caused her to form an identity that somehow unshaped her future. And so her struggle with weight, low self-worth and self-doubt. And her traumatic event occurred when she was four years old. So that's 42 years of having that shame cycle in her, in her, in her, in her psyche. It happened when she overheard someone comment that she was getting chubby. And it may not seem like a big deal to some people, but back in the 70s or 80s, 
being chubby or overweight was one of the worst things you could be. With the wisdom she has now, she understands that comment was made by someone who didn't know me know her or have the best interests at heart. And she actually doesn't know doesn't know what they why they said it or because four-year-old photos of her show that she was a normal-sized, healthy, happy person, happy girl. But as soon as those words came out of that man's mouth or person's mouth, so I don't want to bring gender into it, her life changed. And in the seconds after hearing those words, she felt ashamed of her body and questioned its validity. She felt a burning shame about how her body actually looked. She felt embarrassed and wanted to actually hide. And because an adult had said such a thing, she believed it to be true. Because adults knew everything or know everything. When you are a kid, adults know everything. That's what you think in your head. They think everything is nailed to the people that we look up to. And as a four-year-old girl, Jan had no ability to process such moments or such comments. And she took these comments at face value as truth and believed them wholeheartedly. And this event caused her to identify someone who was fatter than she should have been and therefore needed to lose weight. And that's what she believed from the early age of four. She's 46 now. And then that brought brought in shame about her body's ability. Not only did she feel shame about how her body looked, she felt shame about what it couldn't do. As a child, she was not the fastest runner, nor was good at swimming. So on sport days, she would always come last in the 100 meter sprint and always hated putting her face under the water. She was never a great freestyle swimmer from her own wordings. And she was also pretty bad at jumping, doing high jump and triple jump and all that kind of stuff as well. And she talks about, she's spoken about kind of conversations that we've had of, of maybe making it over the lowest bar and the high jump ones in her life. And her first and last attempts at hurdles saw her have a nasty accident. The kids at primary school laughed so hard, teased her about being slow, and could get, could, that, that she could never get over the, the high jump or how bad she swam. She was already carrying the shame of what her body looked like. And now layered on top of that, there was shame about what her body couldn't do for her. So as soon as sport was no longer compulsory at school, she opted out. Janet opted out, believing that she was no good at anything feeling deeply ashamed that she wasn't athletic as her peers. Then what would happen next was that she would compare herself to other people. The the identity of being someone who needed to lose weight caused her to question her body. So much that from a very, very young age, she was extremely conscious of what she looked like and even and often felt uncomfortable in her own body. She compared herself with other people all the time, feeling ashamed a lot of the time believed that she was in commas bigger than they were and as a teenager her body and the bodies of her friends changed and that she noticed that her body was changing different to theirs and not being able to process and not understanding that it's normal for people to have different body shapes and that should be celebrated believed that the hourglass shape to put it into her words was the ultimate goal. She didn't have the characteristic to find waist of an hourglass. Her shape was more straight up like a kind of a, a column or a pillar as she said it. 
and even though her body was lean, she still believed that she was overweight. So she started dieting to whittle down her body to an hourglass shape. Of course, you can't actually change a column into an hourglass. But Janet didn't have that awareness, so she began to believe that she couldn't lose weight because her body wouldn't change. And living with that identity of some identity of someone who was overweight blinded her to the, to, to the, her own reality. And at 17 years old, she weighed, I think it was 59 or 60 kg, she said. And I remember clearly because she had to write down her body weight for, for a physics experiment at school, she said. And she thought she was fat because the girl sat next to her who had a very slight build, weighed 45 kg. And because she was comparing herself all the time, all that she could see was 14 kg heavier than the girl, which equated to overweight. And without obsession with weight, body shape, dieting, took years and years, for over 20 years. She would jump from one diet to the other, often end up in overeating, and eating so little during the day and overeating in the evening. So a typical day eating when we first started working together was something like, I think it was either two scoops of porridge and a bit of fruit or for breakfast or eggs on toast. And then for lunch was soup or a salad. And then for dinner, it was like rice cakes with salmon. And then there'll be a lot of eating after that. She used food to soothe her negative emotions, how she felt about herself. She'd look back at photos from those times and she'd be like, now she's like, I don't, I didn't even need to lo- look like I needed to lose weight. But in her head, she always identifies as that chubby four-year-old who had to lose weight in order to feel worthy. With every diet failed, that began and increased an extra layer onto her identity like an onion. She became the girl who needs to lose weight but struggles to do so and identifies and latched onto that. She now knows from having done counselling work, from some of the work that we've done, that she never needed to lose weight in the first place. That another diet wasn't going to fix the problem. And it's only really been in the last 15 years that that emotional baggage, that emotional weight carried more weight than her body ever did. She'd always say, I didn't know any of this back then. She believed that she was overweight and lived with it for as it was. And to quote Janet, I lived my life in constant pursuit of the ideal body. Tried so many things, shakes, counting calories, several diets that she Googled, found magazines, books and and Weight Watchers. But nothing made a difference. But what Janet says that she noticed then is that after every diet, she'd slowly start to gain the weight back up. And because she was horrified and appalled and shamed of becoming bigger than she already was, she'd go on another diet. I'd lose weight, she'd lose weight, take it off and have it off for a few months and the weight would come back on. Her identity was well and truly the girl who needed to lose weight, but constantly struggles with it. But after several years of certain slimming clubs, Janet lost 16 kg the weight didn't come off easily 
it was a constant battle became obsessive weighing herself up to six times a day watching what she ate worrying about her diet planning her life around eating or not eating and never fully engaging in life her dieting behaviors were obsessive her mental health went to shit and she's paying a very very high price for the pursuit of the ideal diet Janet said this now that she looks at photos after she'd lost the weight and I think she looked amazing but the shame about her body and her identity as an inverted commas fat person blinded her to what she really looked like she still felt overweight inside ashamed appalled embarrassed are some of the adjectives that she actually used she hid from photos and constantly worried about what she looked like and what people thought of her and after a while no matter how hard or or how whatever she did she couldn't lose any more weight she was about seven kg from her goal weight which she actually now believes was dangerously low but by a certain slimming club standards would have been classified as overweight and this of course fueled that identity as that chubby girl who couldn't lose weight unfortunately janet's mental health went to went very low and became depressed frustrated and the weight slowly came back on at the time janet says that she just didn't understand that was there, this was a psychological response caused by a really screwed up belief system she believed that there was something wrong with her not that the, the approach was wrong but the, the that there was actually something wrong with her that she had failed again so her identity again changed and morphed for the third time not only was she the girl who needed to lose weight she was also now the girl who couldn't lose weight because all the evidence so far proved that she couldn't the shame she felt that was so immense she began hiding behind a mask still going through the motions of dieting but never really believing that she could lose weight kind of half committing to it just hope she would just hope it would happen this time this time will be different i thought if i was seen to be doing something about it then she wouldn't be judged because to be judged again for her body would surely break her but what happened in december 2021 something clicked something needed to change so she, she joined myself while also working with a counsellor and one of the things that she says it's the difference she said between the approach that we took was it was about unbecoming the person we currently are and becoming the person we were meant to be all along it's about unlearning habits or stories and beliefs and patterns that no longer serve us so we can have the life we actually really want to lose weight gain confidence and to be learning to be what you truly want not mattering what everyone else wants and being your authentic self she's done an awful lot of, a lot of work on herself over the last 46 years of her life letting go of the shame but the big thing for her was it was t- it was it was time to drop the shame and kind of stop running from it and hiding from it made her feel embarrassed for carrying extra weight and made her self-conscious about how she looked and made her want to go quiet and not talk about it at all 
But the ironic thing is the opposite is that you need to in order to get rid of that shame cycle you need to make it out and come, come make it come into light speak about it voice it out share the story and it's uncomfortable i'm not going to sit here and say it's not uncomfortable talking about it like i remember i had a conversation last week with a client on a welcome call a new client coming in and we were talking about things and um I ended up not signing her up and the main reason behind it was there was an awful lot of emotional support that wasn't there and there was a lot of identity behind it and there was a lot of focus on what couldn't be done and like if I asked for a straight yes or no answer on the call it'll be yes but or no but and all I wanted was a yes or no and that story or that identity had been latched onto of certain things around that person and they were scared of letting it go they said it themselves I'm scared of losing this identity I'm scared of letting go of these stories but if the awareness is there how do we manage that there was emotional needs not being met in other areas of the life and every day we can we can navigate and we can, if we're aware of it and we do something about it things can change but if we're not aware of it and we don't want to change well then another diet's not going to solve shit part of letting go of that shame is understanding how that identity for Janet was being the overweight girl who can't lose weight feeds into it. People will say, well, I've lost weight before and I've never kept it off. That can sometimes become a spiraling story. The Janet's body was never the problem. Her identity was, but that was cultivated by a comment. I guarantee that person who has made that comment has never thought about it again. Janet's comment here or quote is, I'm no longer identifying as the person who's overweight and can't lose weight. Identifying as the person I've always wanted to be confident, happy, able to eat or want what I want, wear what I want, strong and self-assured, best sex life I've ever having, proud of what she looks like, and someone who celebrates and loves her body. And in a little note that she wrote herself, kind of like one of the things that we did was getting her to write a letter from herself to the person she was, for that four-year-old girl and what she wanted. And one of the things she shared with me was she's saying goodbye to the girl who was overweight and can't lose weight. Hello to a sexy woman who celebrates her bodies in all forms who can be, who will never be defined by their weight or their people's opinions or the need to diet again. Now that's a powerful sentence. So how do we change that identity? What do you want to become? Where do you want to be? What personality traits do you need to or behaviours or habits? So say for example you want to be like Janet, a sexy woman. Ask yourself what are the traits of a sexy woman? What do they do? Because if you 
if you run away from practicing those things, those traits that reinforce that identity. So every time you go for a walk, you enforce that identity of someone who looks after their body. Just like you, some people can latch onto the identity of, of emotional eating. Every time you eat emotionally, you identify that story as I'm an emotional eater. So you continue. But if you if if you have to, if you have yet, if you have let your limiting beliefs limit identify as an overweight person and hold you in prison and imprison you, you're ready to free yourself. So if you want to change things like Janet has and drop those stories because another diet's not going to fix shit and I know I have the female fat loss program but I'm very cautious of who, who I'm allowed into who I'm allowing into that I'm also very cautious of who I work with one to one if I feel someone is just trying to diet themselves into oblivion again I'm I will be open and honest and I've lost money from not taking their, that people's but one of my one of my clients said to me Shane you're not in this for the money you're in it to help and that's rare in a shit industry but at the same time if the identity doesn't change the belief system doesn't change and if those two things don't change it's very hard for change long lasting change and that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't lose weight or fat loss or whatever it may be but trying to change yourself out of hate because it's not what you want it's what you think other people want it's validation it's acceptance social pressures all these various different things but ask yourself what do you want why do you want it and then whatever that answer is why again answer again why again more often than not it's coming back to I want to be free I want to have a life that my kids can see I want to I want to be here and around for my kids but your kids don't love you because of your weight your kids love you because of you they love you because of your personality so if you want to transform your mindset if you want to alongside working with a counselor if you want to if you want to challenge your belief system let's go Click on the link in the show notes, pop me a DM and we can have a call. So I really hope this episode has helped. If it has triggered you in any way, I sincerely apologize and I really do hope that you know that there is support out there and thank you for Janet for allowing me to share her story. So if you've enjoyed this episode at all, please do tag me up on your stories and thank you again. The Female Fatless Program will close today at 6pm. So on the 5th of april how is it april already it will close today at 6 p.m any applications after that will not be accepted the link will close it's it's logged off at that time so if you're interested in going to female fat loss program 99 euro for eight weeks or working with me one-to-one capacity click on the link in the show notes and we can book in a free call for the one-to-one